0: It was Paris in the fall that made me love this city. It was the way the cool winds would send spiraling colors of vibrant oranges and reds across the cobblestone pavements. How the many gargoyle statues and pieces of public art looked at that time of year. Staring down at you from their perches of lofty grandeur. I had first visited the City of Lights as a student in 1938. My father, back in the United States, had made his fortune in his youth when he inherited one of the largest publishing houses in the country at the time, and so I too wished to delve into the profession of literature. But, unlike my father, I wanted to write the books, not publish them, and Europe had seemed like the place to do that. Paris, when held in my youthful gaze, had been firmly planted on a proverbial pedestal in my mind as the booming center of the world for art and literature. And so it was that after some convincing I managed to get my parents to pay my way to the city for a visit. Even then there were whisperings of war on the horizon, of worse days to come. People spoke of Hitler in one of two ways— Mostly it was to do with his brilliance and political leadership, and indeed, shortly after that, he would be announced back home as Time's Man of the Year. But there were others, who could be found whispering in dark alleys, with concerned voices about the future of Germany, and indeed, the future of all of Europe. I spent three months there in the City of Lights. Using the money my father had given me, I rented out a dilapidated apartment and bought a typewriter, which sat on my small lopsided desk in the middle of the room. Every day, I would walk through the streets, admiring the beauty of its buildings, the energy of its people, and the poetry of its leaves dropping to the ground. I would walk past the steps of the majestic Hôtel de Ville, which would one day play host to Charles de Gaulle's stirring speech, and try to gain inspiration for my first manuscript. However, it would seem that I soon became overwhelmed by the city in all of its glory, for during that three-month period I believe I only wrote perhaps seventeen pages. And then... The war began, and it wasn't until the liberation of Paris in 44 that I suddenly felt its cobblestones calling to me once again from across the ocean. Six years had passed, and I was no longer a youth filled with lust and ambition. I was thirty years old, and with the decision of having to follow in my father's footsteps by taking over the publishing house looming on the horizon— I decided that before I could bring myself to being locked into its million-dollar industry, I owed it to myself to return to the City of Lights and try to pursue my dreams of literary fame one last time. It was after the war by the time I managed to touch foot inside that marvelous city again, and Adolf Hitler had already committed suicide— We had won, of course, but there was still an uncomfortable atmosphere resting over all of Europe like a thick smog. Gone were the days of bohemian brilliance that had been made famous by the likes of Hemingway and Picasso. No, the brilliance that my romantic heart had fallen in love with as a child had become gray and wilted in those days. The color had been sucked from the world, and the Paris, which had once been described as a movable feast, now appeared to me more as a destitute table. Shortly after arriving, I realized that the golden age of literature for Paris, and for me, had been cut short by the war, and the struggling writer was no longer a romanticized occupation. So... I set up a small business to make ends meet, a fool's errand to survive on, at least until the life came back into the city and my dreams could be accomplished. I became Daniel Ransom, private investigator, a foreigner regarded with suspicion by locals and someone well known for having a love affair with a bottle of single malt.